Welcome to the Go Abundance Podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> They're too one-dimensional. Like, they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut. <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked. But if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people and hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At GoBundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better, better multidimensionally, in six simple categories. We call these our pillars. Number one, horizontal income. Number two, age-defying health. Number three, bucket list adventures. Number four, genuine contribution. Number five, authentic relationships. And number six, extreme accountability. So speaking of number six, Let's dig into this week's interview with a GoBro. And you can tell me, is he walking the talk or is he a false prophet? <laughs> Have you dreamed of being part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but maybe you're just not quite there yet on the balance sheet. You haven't hit that million dollar net worth, but you understand the value of being part of this community and part of this brand and why the six pillars are so important and they're important to you. Well, we've got a great opportunity for any one of you out there that are seeking one day to be whole life millionaires and join GoBundance. That is our Emerge program from GoBundance. My name is Jamie Gruber. I'm host of the GoBundance podcast, founder of the Emerge program, and I'm proud to say that we've been able to put a couple of hundred students through the Emerge program with stellar results. They've been able to achieve goals, transform their lives, and get to the next level of life that they aspire to simply by being part of this incredible program. With the Emerge program, we have three objectives. The first is to create transformation. You're going to establish a goal at the very beginning of this 12-week course, and every week you're going to get a content drop. You're going to get curriculum. You're going to get support from the community in you achieving that goal by the end of the 12 weeks. Along with that, our second objective is proximity. You're going to have proximity to like-minded people just like you, people that you don't have in your regular life right now that you can relate to and talk about what it is you're trying to achieve in life. And they're going to hold you accountable to whatever you say you want to do or better yet, whoever you say you want to be. With proximity also comes the GoBundance community. Every Tuesday evening, we bring in a GoBundance member and we Q&A them in our millionaire case study segment. Right before that, you get to hang out with your fellow Emerge members on Tuesday evening. And Thursday morning, Diego Corzo comes live to you to teach you about different areas of being a whole life millionaire. And lastly, our third objective, we're going to be watching. We want to make sure you're accountable to achieving what you want and finishing this course. And if you do you'll get an exclusive invite to our Ascend Mastermind where we can really dive in and dig deep on getting you to that whole life millionaire status. Go to GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Put in coupon code Emerge for $200 off this one-time charge and lifetime access to the Emerge program. You won't regret it. Check out what it's done for other people on the website, and I hope to see all of you in Emerge.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. And today we have a self-storage investor, father, husband, GoBundance brother. And we thought about making up more titles for him, but I'm going to leave it there for now. Chris Benson, welcome. Good to have you, brother. Hi, Jamie. Afternoon. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate being here. 100%. 100%. So you are down in the Atlanta area now, but I know you didn't start there because you and I connected on some some interchanging in upstate New York at one point in our lives and everything. So why don't you give us your story from where you began to where you are today? Just let it roll. Go for it. Yeah, happy to do it. Jamie, you know only the best come out of central New York. So obviously that's where we have come from. Um, But that's where I grew up. I grew up in central New York for anybody who knows New York, kind of in between Albany and Syracuse, a town outside of Utica. And uh, I grew up charmed. I, you know, when you think about, you look back at kind of your parents and support system, I, I had it all. I mean, um, parents super loving. Uh, I was pushing them always to do things, but, you know, we didn't grow up with wealth or anything like that, but was love and always food on the table and um, interesting conversations to be had and still have that. Fortunately, both my parents are still alive. So um, grew up in a great little town, uh, had a fantastic high school experience. I think I don't know if that's true anymore, but there was a time where I said, if, if you could put me in a time machine, I'd probably go back to high school. We had a lot of fun. Good group of friends. We were good at sports. We thought we were hot shit most of the time. And, you know, as you get older and more exposure to the national showcase, you realize you're not very good at anything. But at the time, we thought we were, uh, we were pretty good. Um, so we, we had a really good time through high school. Um, went to college, uh, not too far from... Uh, where you went to college, State University School is where I graduated, um, SUNY Binghamton, which is um, fondly known as the armpit of central New York. They have, I think, I think I looked it up, they have more cloudy days than Seattle. Like yeah. there's literally no sun for most of the year. Yeah. And, it, and the entire campus is made out of like brick. So it was, it was lovely. It was a really lovely time. Um, but interestingly, so my story kind of took an interesting turn in college. So my now wife at the time was not, um, but we had our first child my senior year in college. So when she's a year older than me, so she graduated and had Noah, uh, our oldest, in June. And then I went through my senior year basically with a kid. Now, obviously not as planned, but you know I'm 41 and we have a 15-year-old now as well. Uh, by the time I'm 45, both kids will be out of the house. So that's the upside to having kids in college. Um, but at the time, you know, you certainly have to grow up fast. That, that part is 100% sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. The uh, Real quick, the town you grew up in, I mean, just as my own curiosity, what was the name of the town? How big was it? New Hartford. Oh, it was New Hartford. So it was a decent sized town, class B. Relative to what? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> to where I was outside of Oneonta, New York, which was uh, nothing, nothingville, like moved from Long Island to that area. I graduated with like 30 kids. Yeah, we, I think I graduated with just over 200 or 250 kids. But yeah, class B sports, it depended on what sport, but class B for most of our stuff. And, yeah. and it was it was great, like, you know, a fairly affluent little town, you know, everybody there, there wasn't a ton of poverty, no diversity, mostly white people, <laughs> you know, like I grew up very sheltered, but it's, uh, it's a great little place to grow up. And actually, a few of our friends from high school, there's eight of us that are still really close. Um, actually, we're going and having kind of our annual reunion weekend, the weekend before Steamboat. So um, we'll, we'll be out all together. But I, I, I'm very blessed. Like not everybody has that. I have a good crew of buddies that we've been friends since literally elementary school. Um, and we've kind of all come up together. And 
you know, as people have gotten older, it's been harder to, to make those commitments to stay, you know, get together once a year, but we do a pretty good job of it. No, it makes sense. So go back real quick to your, your upbringing. You mentioned kind of an idyllic upbringing, right? With your, your parents, two parents in the household, food on the table, the whole nine, all of that stuff. Uh, you had siblings, correct? I have an older stepbrother, uh, seven years to my elder. And quite candidly, you know, by the time he was 18, he was basically out. So it was mostly just me. Gotcha. Parents entrepreneurs, or how did that kind of no. journey begin? Like if, if not, so go for it. I have no idea where I came from. <laughs> I really don't. My wife and I talk about this all the time. In, in our family tree, and, and this is true of aunts, uncles, cousins, um, I'm very much an anomaly. Um, my dad was the first of his four brothers to go to college. And actually, no, that's not true. One of his other brothers went, but you know, uh, he was the first. He actually went to Ithaca College, where I know you started your college yeah. career in Central yeah. New York. Um, he went a lot longer ago than you did. But my dad worked for um, IBM for 38 years, I think, yeah. in varying different roles. But mostly I would put him as a computer mechanic. I mean, he was a mechanic that just worked on really high-end computer stuff and uh, interesting and, and was uh, super conservative, right? IBM pension, right? That's what he was working for. He was fortunate to save some money along the way, but he was really working for, I'm going to be with the same company the whole time. I get a pension at the end and, and it's treated my mom and dad fantastically. I know a lot of people don't have that and um, they're very blessed to, uh, to stick with that. But my mom was a homemaker most of her life, did kind of... Um, uh, a number of different jobs. At one point, she was the lunch lady in, in middle school. And that was super embarrassing. All my hockey buddies, like all my sports friends would make fun of me. But you know, like that kind of stuff. She was worked as an administrative assistant, worked at a bank for a little while. But mostly, um, she was homemaker, you know, priority number one. Um, the funny. entrepreneurial piece, Jamie, I honestly, um, I don't I don't know where that came from. We, we always had it um, in college. One of my buddies and I, uh, one of those eight that we're still close with at Hamilton College, actually, we, we were couch salesmen. So every year, the, the physical plant, like the maintenance guys would charge you 75 bucks to take your couch out of your room. Mm. So we would pick it up for free. And the deal was we'd take your couch and then my cousin would rent me tractor trailer storage trailers and Hamilton would let us put the trailers on their campus. And then freshman year or when the freshmen came back, they came back a week early. And so we would sell the couches to the freshmen. We made a fortune. Okay. It was interesting. It was all going well until senior year. Um, the college asked us for our tax returns. And that, that pretty much blew up the, the couch selling business as we were, we were not paying taxes. That's amazing. That's a great, great little business that you had going. The, um, the interesting thing, first off, is that you went to Hamilton and my wife went to, I mean, the parallels, the, 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 the cross-section of, of you and I is just ridiculous. But going back to, you mentioned about uh, 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 your, having a kid in college when you were 20 years old, having, having a son in college. How, how, well, first of all, what did you go to college for if you had this sort of entrepreneurial bend? Like what was college? I mean, did you, are you using it now? Is it something that you, you, know, that you value as far as the educational part? What was your major? What did you go to college for? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I graduated with a Bachelor of Science in um, Economics or maybe Financial Economics. I'm not even sure what my degree says, to be quite candid with you. Um, but I went because that's what was expected. There wasn't, you know, I, I didn't really have a path laid out in front of me and didn't really know anything other than what everybody else was doing. So kind of follow the leader. And, and my parents weren't even, if I'd said to my parents, hey, I'm going to go work and 
do construction, I don't think I would have gotten pushback. It wasn't like, Hey, you need to go to college. Yeah. You know, this is, this is the next step. Um, it was just what everybody else was doing. And, and I guess I look at it a little bit differently, Jamie, and you and I were joking uh, before we, we started recording, you know, Hamilton college is where I started. Um, I ended up graduating from SUNY Binghamton, but you know, Hamilton college right now is 75 grand a year tuition, room and board. And we were talking about, I mean, that's 300 grand for a bachelor's degree. Yeah. That's nuts. You can almost invest $300,000 into anything when you're 18 years old. And by the time you're 45, things are probably going to turn out pretty well. Um, so I, I struggle with the ROI of secondary education, especially private liberal arts schools. Um, there's value in that experience. And, and interestingly, I've kind of transferred that to my own son, who's now 20. Ask you. Yeah. yeah. So he's um, he graduated high school, was planning on going to Colorado State out in Fort Collins and did a gap year in the South Pacific Islands, actually, like Sumatra, Bali, um, with this group. It was amazing, incredible experience for him. And and he came back and said, you know, I'm gonna I'm not going to college. And I said, What are you gonna do? And he said, I'm gonna trade sneakers. So he's a big sneaker head and he's learning all kinds of interesting entrepreneurial um, lessons right now. And so I'm perfectly fine with that. I as as you probably think, I, I'm more about learning and the experiences than you know, hey, I'm going to go get a piece of paper. He, he'll be just fine. No, that makes sense. Give us a little bit about though, because I think that for some people listening, that might be a challenge. Like, you know, because the college, you know, the stats say, well, if you invest in college, you make 50% more than if you don't and all of that stuff. Do you have a, a, any sort of parameters with your son? Is there, do you have a timeline that he needs to abide by? Or does it just as long as he's not, you know, for lack of a better phrase, on the teat, on your, you know, for you and your wife, like, is it just, Hey, if you're doing your thing, go do your thing. Or do you have any sort of expectations of him? Just walk through that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so the, the question of on the parent parental teat, no, when he said, I'm not going to college, I said, you can do whatever you want, but I'm not paying for it. I was like, you can, you got health insurance. And actually he took a minivan that I had given him with, I don't know, 280,000 miles on it. Those were the two gifts by me. He's paying his own car insurance, cell phone, et cetera. And he's, you know, he's paying rent right now and groceries and he's adulting, right? So yeah. I think for, for me, Jamie, look, and you know this too, as a parent, he's 20. Mm-hmm. My, my time is done, right? So from here, it's gentle coaching, introductions, things that I can help with. Um, but, but who he is is who he is. And, you know, I mean, he's going to make his decisions on what he wants that to be. And, and to be quite candid, um, my oldest is pretty aware of how his decisions affect his life. He's got a maturity that's beyond his age. I didn't have it at 20. He's thinking about things, well, I'm doing this, but I'm trying to work towards that. I think part of it is just you, you learn a lot from osmosis of, of what you know everybody else that you see is doing. And so I think that's, uh, that's part of it too. He's seen you know, that entrepreneurial piece come through uh, with his mom and dad as well. Makes sense. Well, let's flash forward now. You've moved, obviously, from upstate New York down to the Atlanta metro area. You have this big sign for those watching on YouTube. This is Reliant Real Estate Management. Uh, when was the move? Why was the move? And what is Reliant? Can you kind of bring us up to speed on that? I'm branding, Jamie. Look, I got the shirt for the YouTubers. And a great tan, by the way. I'm noticing how pasty I am, like normally. But next to you, I'm like a, I'm like a, like the, I'm like one of those, uh, 
like uh, what were they called? Good and plenties when you suck all the color <laughs> off. That's kind of what I look like right now. It's ridiculous. So anyway, go ahead. You were, I'm admiring your tan, but give us the flash forward to Atlanta and the amazing branding job that you're doing with Reliant. I uh, appreciate both of those comments. My 15 year old has been in Belize for the last three weeks. So my wife and I have been empty nesting. So nice. we were in Key Largo two weeks ago. We were at the lake pretty much all weekend last weekend. So I'm living the high life right now, Jamie, living the high life. So to kind of fast forward that story, um, after college, I got into sales um, and did uh, a, a variety of different sales jobs, worked for ADP out of college. First job was selling payroll to small businesses. And, and that was where I really, Jamie, realized that business owners weren't that much smarter than me. I remember distinctly going into some meetings and being like, wow, you built this? <laughs> like you are, you know, I, Dumbass is probably too strong a word, but you are not an impressive human being and you built a really incredible business. And so that was like the, oh, I could do that. You know, like um, some of those entrepreneurial spirits, I just didn't understand how the world worked yet. Um, And so went from some payroll into medical devices. My last uh, corporate job was with a company called Intuitive Surgical. They make the Da Vinci robot. Um, A lot of listeners probably know who that is. I was super blessed to be a part of the company. Um, incredible technology, incredible organization. But when I was about 30, I remember waking up saying, I'm not doing this another 30 years. Like, can't I start from zero every year? I was making great money. Um, it was a, a fantastic company to be a part of, but um, my work-life balance was awful. I traveled a ton and um, I said, I got to do something else. And for me, it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Like I had read it in my twenties and then I read it again and I was like, oh, this is this the horizontal income that GoBundance preaches, you know, in Rich Dad Poor Dad, it's just passive. But that mindset of you just got to build passive income was the beginning for me. And so um, we started out um, like many people do with residential stuff, uh, bought a bunch of duplexes um, in the area that I lived in, um, in upstate New York. We lived outside of Saratoga. And then basically the shift for me was I, I read or heard on a podcast, I can't really credit where I got it, but it was big deals and small deals are the same amount of work. You just make less money on small deals. And that's where I was like, ah. So we ended up selling all of the residential stuff we had. So we had a, a chunk of capital. And um, I called a guy that I hadn't talked to in 15 years and said, hey, I want to get into commercial multifamily. Um, what do you got? And he owned a construction company. I'd gone to church with him. And he, interestingly, had just had a conversation with a small town. Do you know where Rome, New York is, Jamie? 100%. Sure. For sure. Yeah. So, so Rome, New York, for your listeners who don't, 99.99% of the people listening have no idea what we're talking about. In central New York, there was an Air Force base there. Yeah. And in the late or early 90s, uh, they closed it. And the town was built on the Air Force base. So this t- place got decimated. I mean, like 40% vacancy rates. You know, it, there, there was nothing happening. And interestingly, the town, to their credit, took the base and kind of repurposed it. And it's a tech park now. And there's almost 8,000 employees that work there. Good jobs, you know, high paying jobs. Um, some of them government backed, some of them private industry, a lot of tax credits. And so the town has come back. And um, interestingly, my partner in the deal had the foresight to say, there's no housing for these people, Right. You know, everything was built in the 60s, all military housing. There was nothing nice. So we ended up building 64 units of, you know, class A granite countertop, hardwood floor, stainless steel appliance type apartments. Yeah. And uh, to, we were the test of the market and uh, it worked great. That was where the light bulbs went off for me, where I was like, oh, this is how you make money in, you know, in real estate is at scale. 
And then I'm fast forwarding a lot, but otherwise we're going to be on the podcast too long. No, it's okay. About five years ago, um, I said to myself, cap rates can't continue to compress in multifamily. Like something's going to happen here. And obviously I was, I was wrong on that one, at least for right now. Um, yeah. 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 And I was looking at other asset classes and, and self-storage. I'm a data guy and looking at some of the historical data around self-storage was really compelling, but not only just the historical performance, but also what it's done in the recessionary environment, especially 2007, 8, 9, and now again through covid and so um, first, I was a passive investor in storage with Reliant. And uh, Todd Allen, who's uh, one of the co-founders of Reliant, we just built a relationship. And um, over time, they needed some help raising capital. And I had done that um, with uh, a number of real estate projects that I had done previously. And so I said, well, let's, let's find a way to build a partnership. You guys have an incredible platform and we can really pour gas on this thing and go. And so... Um, three years ago, we formed that partnership. I moved to Atlanta two years ago. I'm in our office in, in Roswell, Georgia, just north of Atlanta. Um, and it's been a fun adventure. Like we're, we're growing like weed and self-storage has had a, a fantastic run the last 12 months during COVID. We've been very blessed. And that's, that's why I'm branding everything now. I love it. All right, go bros. We have our 2022 couples trip of a lifetime. Here's the deal. When you think romance, the one country that comes to mind, we are talking about Italy. Here is the epic itinerary. Day one. This is April 1st, 2022. We're going to arrive in Florence and take a private transfer to the city center. There we're going to go on a guided walking tour of Florence. We're going to discover all kinds of ancient beginnings where we'll finish the day with a welcome dinner at a local restaurant. Day two. After breakfast, we're going to visit some historic workshops and learn about the ancient Florentine artisanal tradition. Then enjoy a special leather hands-on workshop. In the afternoon, challenge yourself to a hands-on Tuscan food cooking class and then feast on your creations for dinner. Day 3, April 3rd, we're hitting the countryside. In the company of your local art historian guide, visit a Galleria commissioned in 1560. Leonardo da Vinci, Botticelli, Tizzanio, Michelangelo, all have hung out in this joint here after lunch at your leisure travel to the tuscan countryside and check out your hotel and dinner at the inner restaurant day four a full day excursion to siena today soak up the medieval flavor of the city on this walking tour through city center see palazzo Publico, the colorful marble clad cathedral and piazzo del campo one of italy's most beautiful squares then we're going to hit a leisurely bike ride through the vineyards blanketing the surrounding landscape day five we are going to start the day by driving fiat 500 cars along the enchanting roads of gorgeous tuscan countrysides and we're going to land in the Bocelli Vineyards. Yes, the Andrea Bocelli. His family is going to serve us wine and, and an incredible meal. Day six, 
transfer to Rome with a stopover in Orvieto. Orvieto is one of the most striking, memorable, and enjoyable hill towns in central Italy. Less than 90 minutes from Rome, it sits majestically high above a valley floor atop a big chunk of Tufo volcanic stone. After lunch, we continue on to our hotel in Rome's historic center. Day 7. Wake up early and see the Sistine Chapel. Marvel at some of the world's most spectacular works at the Vatican Museums. Then visit St. Peter's Square in its soaring basilica. Of course, we will not miss the iconic Colosseum. The massive amphitheater that accommodated 50,000 spectators were gladiators prepared for battle. Next, be thrilled by a specially arranged visit inside formerly the Temple of Antonius. Here, enjoy a lecture on ancient Rome given by a prominent Roman art historian. Day 8, we reach Tivoli and visit the amazing Hadrian's Villa. After lunch at an enchanting local restaurant, we turn to Rome for a leisurely stroll through the charming neighborhood of Trastevere one of Rome's most authentic and vibrant areas. This epic adventure for you and your significant other covers all internal transfer, incredible, highly rated boutique accommodations. If you're ready to wow your significant other and show him or her how much you really love them, get signed up for Italy 2022. Wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Smart man. You're, you're a marketing guy. The property in Rome, 64 units. First off, kudos to you, man, to develop Class A property in Rome, New York. That just <laughs> sounds like... That sounds like building something on the moon to me, just knowing what Rome is. I was unaware of the tech park, so that's great. Are you still in that deal? Have you exited? What, what's the still there? That's a hold forever. We'll never get rid of it. Good for you. And we, then now the basis in it, the basis in it is just too good. And and Jamie, I had no foresight. I was just lucky that my partner did and that he wasn't a scam artist because I didn't even know enough to know what I was doing. I, I knowing what I know now, I probably would have never done that deal then. Interesting. Interesting. It is an interesting market, not to get too into the upstate New York market, but we had a small portfolio there. We're down to one duplex in Oneonta, a college town, which, you know, who knows what the college bubble will bring. You know, I, I have some doubts about like you think college towns are forever, but I don't know. I don't know. The next 10 years, there might be big changes there, but it's it's a great cash flow market. Cheap, cheap as hell to buy, at least per door as, as you look at especially coastal markets. But but, you know, the taxes are really high. The regulation is still New York, right? You know, it's still a New York type of regulatory environment. But it is an interesting market in that there's some, I, I, it's like Michigan. I, I don't look at Michigan or upstate New York or New York generally as a population growth market, but there are, there are movements within the state. So people moving to Rome from wherever, Utica or wherever it may be, makes Rome a little bit of a boom town or like an Oneonta in that area has some growth. It's really strange. So Interesting investable market. Are you still looking there or are you all in on the self-storage side and done with upstate New York? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the answer to that is we're all in in storage. So the, the real play with us in cell storage and, and why I've kind of hitched my wagon to it was the, the market is very fragmented, right? So there's still a lot of mom and pop operators and, and the big play in self storage is the roll up or the consolidation play, right? And this happens in every asset class that exists. It happened in multifamily 10 years ago, right? Or maybe 15 years ago at this point. Um, but as institutional capital deploys capital into the space, the big get bigger and the mom and pops all go away for the most part. And yeah. storage right now is 10 years behind where multifamily was. There is capital chasing, but it's very hard to deploy in the space because the equity check for the individual deals is so small, right? Our average equity checks 4 million bucks for a Blackstone. It's hard to deploy a billion dollars, right? And how they did it is they bought a self-storage operator for 1.4 billion. They got the portfolio and the operating company. Yeah. And that's really what we see is, is the big play here is roll up a portfolio to scale and there aren't that many of those transactions taking place at with institutional capital. So right now it's, it is honestly just all out. How do we grow this platform to get to a point where, you know, we can create that monetization event, the big monetization event. I mean, there's promotes along the way as we sell properties and refinance them and those kinds of things. But the big play is some point in the future. Gotcha. So your title with Reliant, I know you're a partner with uh, with what Reliant was and that you know you formed a partnership now. Are you investor relations? Do you have another role within that? What's kind of the the, the role that you have there? Yeah, chief investment officer. I mean, basically I'm managing all things capital markets, right? Equity debt. And then um, we have a, a investment committee that sits in, you know, between myself, acquisitions, operations, and then um, Todd, who's managing partner, we're making the decisions on on what we're buying um, and what we think we want to add to the portfolio. Got it. Talk a little bit about investor relations rolls up under us too. Makes sense. Talk about the uh, the the dynamic going back to college. You you have a kid when you're 20 years old, senior year of college or whatever. What did that do? Did that you know how that did that change the, the trajectory of maybe what your plans were and what challenges? I mean, I. I got to imagine there were some being a young father, especially coming out. Like, What were some of the key challenges that maybe you had to overcome over time being so young, being an unexpected father at that age? If you could just talk about that, that how that grew you, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, look, there, there's the tangible ones like paying for things, <laughs> right? like diapers and formula and you know, those, those just life, right? Um, but both my parent, my parents and my wife's parents were supportive. Obviously, nobody was super excited that what we had um, created. Um, but but that that mellowed over time, right? I mean, you know, after the first initial shock of it, all right, well, what are we going to do about it? Um, and and I think the biggest thing for me is, and I I knew this, but didn't really know this until I kind of got punched in the face. Is like, well, the world doesn't care. So what are you going to do? And, and that kind of attitude of, well, it's just me. And so we're going to go make it happen or me and my wife, we're going to go make it happen. Um, that, that became ingrained very early. And, and I matured really quickly, Jamie, right? Like, you know, I was 21 in an apartment with a child and a wife or at the time girlfriend and my buddies, you know, on the weekends and stuff, were still going out and get blackout drunk and maybe they made it to work on Monday and, and so um, that path for me accelerated very quickly. And then I, I think the other thing that I, I saw very early, and, and maybe not right away, but um, over time was I, I could see what I wanted. Um, and it, it took me a little bit to realize that it wasn't money. Um, at first, it was just money. 
right? Like if I got to this, it was going to be fine. And then I'd hit it, right? And this story is played over and over again. But I, I kept hitting these numbers and it was still, I wasn't really that happy and nothing really changed in my life. Yeah. And there was the moment around where I was 30, where I was like, okay, what I really want is freedom. That's, <laughs> I want the freedom to do what I want to do, not trade the time for money story. And so then it was, okay, a shift of, hey, how do I just climb this ladder, make more money, better job, selling different stuff to building true wealth. Um, and for me, that was the big shift, right? Where it was, okay, this may be the path to getting there. Um, but what I'm really seeking is that the, the money didn't, and, and I was fortunate along the way, you know, from a success standpoint, like I was checking all the boxes, right? I made good money. We had a nice house. We had good toys. Like the kids were doing great. Like everything was great, except, you know, I was working 70 hours a week and gone four nights a week. <laughs> That's a lot to put, especially, I mean, a, a wife through, but you know, a young wife uh, that has a, you know, that becomes a mother very early before she's even, you know, a wife to you and all of that. You know, it sounds like there's always two stories with this. When you, when you, when you either get married or have, have a kid young, it's like, we were just so young. It all fell apart when we were in our early thirties or whatever the case may be, or now she was the one and we've persevered. We've lasted through. I guess the question is sort of two part. Was it inevitable that you were marrying her or did the baby sort of force that? Okay. He's shaking his head no, so you can answer that verbally for the audio audience. And then on the on the other side of that, what have you done? Because you talked a little bit about, you know, my job was to get my son out, right? And I, I completely resonate with that. Like, I feel like the marriage is first, the kids are 1A, right? Because the kids, eventually, the goal for me with them is to make them, I have two boys, to get them to be independent men. That's my goal. But my wife will still be there. So the marriage is one and the kids are 1A. I've always felt that way. Is that your general philosophy or did you just sort of trip into a long-term marriage? I'm kind of curious about what wisdom you gained uh, along the way. If you're saying, no, we weren't like on the path of marriage right away. The baby sort of accelerated that, but you've been married for a long time and you've, you've survived what could, be, could have been a death knoll, which is a young child and the hours you were working and everything else that went with it. So can you just talk about the relationship and how you've kept cultivated that over time? Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that, Jamie, like, as you say it, I'm thinking, have I thought of it as one in one A? And I would say no. Um, and if my wife were sitting in the chair next to me, I think we probably both had kids one, we were one B, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And, and a, a function of that is it's just survival for a lot of it, right? Sure. I mean, until we kind of had our feet under us. It was literally just grind, you know, young. and, so um, and, and we didn't know any better, right? It was, this is what you do. We have bills to pay. And so you do it. Um, and I think what, what I can tell you from my parents that I got was just the accountability piece, right? It's like, all right, you know, this is your job, go do it and do it as best you can. And, and I think for, for Jen and I, my wife's name's Jen, um, we were lucky is the answer, right? I mean, we dated for a year and a half in college, but we didn't really know each, you know what I mean? Like sure. 19 and 20 year old and 21 year old Jen and Chris are a lot different than 40 year old Jen and Chris. Right. And so basically I was, we were lucky. We talk about it all the time, right? Like there are so many things that you don't know about yourself yet that are still to come that we didn't either. And so it's, it's just a function of um, luck in one regard. And then, you know, I think the other piece is finding those key things that we do agree on. <laughs> And, and, you know, the, as far as parenting money, um, and I've been also blessed that Jen and I know what our strengths are 
Interestingly, we had dinner last night and we had this exact conversation. My 20 year old had a two hour conversation with his mom um, the other night about girlfriend issues, right? Most 20 year olds won't talk to their mom. I wouldn't have. No, no way. I, I me either. I still no. won't. I like if, if I was having trouble with Jen, I wouldn't call my mom. Same. Sorry, mom. Sorry. Yeah. I but, Sorry, mom. But they have that connection with her and she is a fantastic. If you want someone to listen and just seek to understand with no judgment, no outcome, no bill, like, hey, this is how you fix it. You talk to Jen. If you want someone to say, hey, Chris, I'm having this problem and you want someone to tell you something back, well, go do this. You talk to me. <laughs> and yeah. Jen and I are like, we were talking about it last night. She's like, well, do you want to become better at that? I was like, no. Like, I'm not good at it. Like, it's not my thing, right? It never has been. I'm black and white. You tell me this, I do that, right? That's how it works. And I said, why do we have to be better at it? You are great at it. So push all that stuff on your side. And when you want an action plan, you can come to me. And, and I will say, well, that sucks, but here's what you can do. And that's just how, you know, I think we've done a good job of kind of that team balance approach of you're great at that. I'm good at this. Let's let's divide and conquer. Um, and and look, you know, right? I, it's hard. <laughs> Relationships are hard. And and I've, I've sat in the GoBundance room, right? GoBundance is relatively new to me, but I've heard the struggles guys have. It's not easy. It's right. not easy to be married to a another human being forever, <laughs> ostensibly. You know, right. I mean, um, that is not an easy thing to do. So we we honestly we've been blessed, and I think. We, we understand for the most part what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, and, and I'm good at delegating or we're both good at saying, all right, well, you do that because I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy who makes that happen. We recently had in the Ascend program, which folks can check out, gobundance.com slash Ascend, Dr. John Martini speak to us. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he is, uh, uh, for years and years, he's preached values, how to, how to learn what your values and purpose are in life. And he has some great tools and all of that, not to plug him, but- it was a great, great talk. And he talked about in the dynamics of relationships, there being, and I'll botch this, but like say seven, seven components to humanity that none of us have all of them, but the best relationships, like you have four and you rely on your partner for the other three and vice versa or so on and so forth. And it sounds like that's what you just described. I can't, again, I can't give you the exact seven or anything like that, but you, you have a communication loop open around what you're great at, what she's great at, and you, you bridge that gap between the two of you. And that's what forms strength and allows you both to grow together, which is really incredible. So I think that's, a, that's an amazing story. And um, it's funny, I feel like that element of my, like just to hear somebody say, my wife will listen, but I will tell you kind of thing, what I think I want to solve. And my wife wants to be more supportive. Man, that's my household to the point where, and many guys I'm sure, sure have this uh, happen, like my wife will ask for advice. And when I give it, I'm wrong because I should have just listened and offered support. It blows my mind. So like husband or wife that does that, just consider, don't ask for the advice. <laughs> ask us that think in terms of A or B, you know, that just to listen and we'll do that. But I don't know if you have that issue <laughs> popping up in your relationship. But no, that never wife, happens. Jen yeah. would say that I am an excellent listener <laughs> and, and that I... I never provide feedback when it is unwarranted. I know. I know. I, you know, it's interesting though, Jamie, like why in business, yeah. right? The, the, one of the entrepreneurial credos is hire people who do things that you're not good at. 
Yeah. And this is what I said to Jen last night. I was like, Hey, when I'm not good at something, I just bring somebody else in who is, I don't want to do that. I'm like, why do you, why would I want to, I'm not good at that. So you do it. And, and that's, that's kind of been, I think we're comfortable with that in some things. And it's, it's always a balance, right? Um, and between her and I, she wants me to be her and I'm not always good at that. So that, that's a balancing. But in business, we talk about this all the time, but in relationships, like, well, no, you have to be everything to everybody. That's hard. It's hard to do, you know? Um, and it's hard. Jen asked me a question last night, just interesting you bring this up. She was like, if you had a choice to listen to someone talk about like, deep emotional things, connection, something that's bothering them, how they're built, whatever, insecurities or business. What would you talk about? I was like business, 10 out of 10. She's like, are you uncomfortable? And I said, no, but if you give me the choice, I don't, I'll listen. And and it's interesting. And if someone's being vulnerable with me, like I enjoy that connection, but 10 out of 10 times, I want to go talk about work And, and that's okay. You know? And I think that takes time to understand it's not that I don't care. It's just, I like some things just like you like some things and you don't like things. I'd rather talk about work businessy things than, you know, how your self-confidence is when you're talking in front of a group of people. Like, I don't, okay, well, that's interesting. But sure. so I think that that's part of that growth, right? Is, is part of a relationship is understanding the things that your partner is good at. And actually, you know, you can play to those. A lot of parallels for sure. All right. Well, let's dive into the one sheet, the baseball card of your life. And we're going to start in the horizontal income area. Give me an idea. So you're in this, in this business with Reliant, you're in a partnership, you've got the multifamily on the side. Like what kind of, like how many lines of horizontal income do you count right now for you currently? Yeah. I mean, I I would say three. I I think the self-storage business, how we've built the partnership is to build horizontal income. I did it somewhat with a plan, but it turned out better than I originally thought where everything I'm doing with Reliant is building horizontal income, sure. um, both in the ownership that I have in the properties and the fee structures that we have in the deals. I, I don't have to come to work and, and that income is still being produced. If, if I get, God forbid, get hit by a bus tomorrow, you know, that income continues to get produced um, for the, you know, the Benson estate. So Um, I I would say there are three primary ones. I still have a a number of multifamily holdings. So, you know, again, real estate based. And then, you know, we have some personal investments um, just from an equities and cash standpoint that are producing, you know, decent dividends. But the majority of my income, Jamie, and and it's hard, I blur this line between vertical and horizontal with what I do with Reliant, but the majority of it is coming from real estate. Makes sense. On the net worth side, I'm obviously you're building equity as well. So you have your horizontal income coming from real estate. Does net worth look similar? The majority of net worth, is that mostly real estate related or do you diversify into other asset classes? Yeah. So no, um, the answer is 90 plus percent is is in real estate as well. And and, and look, I'm open to feedback. You talk to a lot of guys. I'd, I'd love to get your perspective. Like how I think about it is this is what I know, right? And you know, Warren Buffett talks about diversification is for people who don't understand what they're investing in, right? Yeah, yeah. For me, it's hard to look at other stuff like like digital crypt, like crypto, right? I I've read and learned, and and I'm by no means an expert. I'm not Dan Nunny, right? But you know, when I talk to Dan about it, he loves, is a passionate, and knows it well. I don't know what he knows, but the that's the reason he's bought in is because he he believes he understands what those drivers are going to be and. In my head, I look at real estate the same way. It's like, well, yeah. this is what I know. And, and there's definitely those moments of anxiety and fear. It's like, well, what if, you know, self-storage? What if demographics shift and nobody uses storage anymore? Well, maybe. 
but it's it's been hard not to just you know dump this the the principal amounts into the asset class that I know best because I I think I understand the risks and the other piece of it is specifically with Reliant and Todd and I um, have had this discussion of if it goes bad at least I know who made it go bad and and the answer is us yeah. <laughs> right like. There's no one I know better than than the team here. Um, and as you probably know, those passive investments, you're really betting on the people, right? It's to say you're investing in real estate's a misnomer. I, I mean, if you invest with Reliant, you, you're not investing in self-storage. You're investing in the team at Reliant to make sure that, you know, we're making good decisions and being good stewards of your capital. It's funny. I, I speak to another mastermind group every every week just to, on wealth building. It's kind of the topic they asked me to come in and speak about. And the question I got today was like, how do you, what, what parameters do you look at when betting a deal? My answer was you. Like I, it's, I, the, the returns and all of that, like fine. I'm sure there's decent returns and this could happen, that could happen. But I'd rather know that I, I'd rather know, like, and trust who I'm investing with than worry about the returns. Like three extra points or two extra points of, of, uh, of revenue or whatever for somebody I have no idea what they do, how they operate or whatever, that ain't worth it. I'd rather take less but know exactly what I'm going to get from the individual, their integrity. So I completely agree with that. And on your point about uh, other guys, you're right. I do. I, I interact with a lot of people in GoBundance. And uh, you know, without, I don't interact a ton with these two people, but two, two names that jump out more prominently are Brandon Turner and a David Osborne. I talk more to Osborne than, than Brandon, but uh, David always talks about his his philosophy of safe line aggressive swing, right? So stay in your lane and take an aggressive swing is kind of what he's saying. Golf reference because he's like a scratch golfer at this point. Brandon Turner always talks about investing in real estate, like pick something and go all in on it. So he's right now in mobile home parks, and you can pivot. You did right, single family to multifamily to to uh, self storage. It's all you know. The dynamics are very similar, especially mm-hmm. when you jump from residential to commercial. Right? You know, funding from a funding perspective, but. But yeah, I agree with you. I think for me, that's been my, my hesitation with getting out of multifamily. Like, I know it. I haven't scaled anywhere near the level I want to be at. But for this, at the same time, like, I understand it. I feel comfortable in it. And I know what a good deal is and a good deal isn't. And I've got connection in that area as well. People bring me deals because they know me in multifamily. So no, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think that focus, uh, Buffett's quote, diversification is, is for people who don't have a clue or whatever. I think that's spot on. And that's what I hear from most guys. So I'd, I'd layer one level into your, what do you look for in investments as well, which is track record, right? People, yeah. people one, track record two. And if you got great people and they've done what they say they're going to do for you historically and can prove to you that that's true, generally, you know, history is a good predictor of what's going to happen in the future. Right. So, you know, that, that's from my perspective, I'm with you. One people, one, one A is track record. If you got that, I don't really care what you're investing in because look, man, and you know this too, people talk about like, ah, I want to see a 16 IRR. Do you? Is that, is that what you want? So I can change it in the financial model if you want. Like it's so ridiculous to me, Jamie, that in the world of real estate, now I'm getting on my soapbox. Go for it. We, we are expected to predict the future five years from now. If, if you buy a share of Amazon stock, Bezos doesn't tell you what it's going to be worth in five years. He doesn't know. And neither do we. We, yeah. we could tell you the next year, maybe 18 months, but I'm going to tell you cap rates in six years. Right. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting dynamic. What, what I've tried to push to our investors, and I'm not successful there yet, but is look, just bet on, hey, we've sold 38 properties. Our average project level IRR is at 33. We have 55 in our portfolio. We know what we're doing. So trust that it doesn't matter what I project to you. We're, we're going to try to make a lot of money for us and for you. Like, but to, to say, well, your deal's a 13 and this one's a 15. 
Okay, then, then go get the 15 on the spreadsheet. That We call that pro forma money. Anybody can do that. I can make you pro forma say whatever you want. Um, but it's an interesting thing where real estate kind of gets put in this bucket. It's like, well, you have to tell me what's going to happen. I don't know. Neither do you. And if you do, you're not investing with me. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Great point. I, that's, and yeah, I, I like the point about um, track record. That's an excellent piece of advice. So I appreciate you sharing that. Let's jump over to age-defying health. So what's your current weight, body fat percentage? What do those look like? Yes. <laughs> we joked. We, we were not even joked. He might do it, but we talked about him taking his shirt off for the YouTube channel. Completely your call, man. This is your show. You do whatever you got to do, but he just flexed um, up, showed us the guns. <laughs> yeah. So I've been very fortunate. Um, my wife owned a gym in New York. It's always just been a part of like where some people meditation is their thing. For me, the gym has always been the happy place. It's, it's that time where I can focus on one thing, yeah. nothing else. And, you know, right now I'm doing CrossFit, but I, you know, I'm 41, Jamie, and I've been in the gym since high school athlete, right? 10th grade. So I've done most everything, you know, and, it, and for me, it's just about um, staying healthy and, and functional. I'm, I'm very active and I don't want to get hurt. So my wife is a, a, she was in sales for a long time, kind of transitioned to personal trainer, health coach. She does all kinds of stuff, has all kinds of certifications. So I'm very fortunate that we eat really well. She's a vegetarian. I'm not, but you know, we eat really healthy um, and fitness has just always been a part of, you know, who we are. Um, so uh, from me, I weigh today 178. I'm usually in that 178 to 180. I'm just over six feet. Body fats like nine percent. I didn't do the GB nine for Q three or Q two. I did in Q one. I think I was at two twelve or two fifteen. I think I could get into the two twenties. The the push ups were what killed me. Squats, burpees, sit ups. I can crush those, but I I needed another ten or so on the push up side. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta. You have to do it at like the right time of day. Maybe a little pre workout in your system or something. Get yourself hyped up. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned the diet is pretty clean. What give us an idea of that? Like, do you eat? Do you you know intermittent fasting? Do you smoothies? Is there a certain you know cadence to your diet, or what do you do? No, I I, I eat uh, a lot infrequently. You know, uh, the the thing that we don't have it just it's just not in our house. There aren't processed foods. There's not junk. Um, I I remember our kids joking. Well, not joking. They weren't, but we laughed. You know, when when Noah was. 12 and at other people's houses, he would come home and be like, we have nothing to eat here. So I, I said, that's not true. No, we just don't have the same types of food that maybe are in your friend's closets. But what's interesting is they, as they've gotten older, they, it's just become an eight, right? So working out like my 15 year old who wants nothing to do with anything that I do. We had a conversation where he was like, I will never work out. Okay, don't don't do it. And you know, now he works out three, four times a week. You know, like he he sure. it just becomes a piece of who he is. Um, and so for for diet piece, we're we're a lot of lean protein, you know, chicken, fish, a lot of fish, because my wife, she's a she will eat fish, but not red meat. Um, we do a little bit of red meat here and there, but not very often, but mostly lean proteins, a lot of veggies. Um, I don't do anything supplement wise. I'm actually one of my goals for Q3 is there's a there's a place here in Buckhead, Georgia, that does a, a full workup on you hormone wise. And I'm super interested to get that blood work done. I've never done it before. And actually, there's a, another Go, a Go Abundance member here in Atlanta, Jonathan Spaith, who I, he is super into hormonal markers and he spends a lot of time, energy, and money 
uh, making sure he's in the right spaces. And I said to him, I was like, well, John, I don't feel like I'm missing any, like, I don't feel bad. And he said, either did I <laughs> until I, he's like, I went and checked stuff. And so, you know, for him, he, he had a lot of positive impact. So that's something that I'll definitely do this quarter um, and try to understand more on the hormonal piece. I've always just tried to manage it with sleep and eat. You know, if I sleep well and I eat well and I'm working out, I'm generally happy. If one of those things goes off the rails, things, I fall apart pretty quick. Interesting. Let's jump over to life happiness index under the uh, relationship piece. What is it and what area do you, do you deem the lowest in your life happiness? So I did this once with Pat Hyben. I, I, mine is a 653. And he said, and I don't remember the exact, but I think he said, if it's under a seven, like I'm clinically depressed or something along those lines. So I, I, I maybe I'm like too conservative of a score, but I, I can't put anything as a 10. A 10 is perfect, right? Like I, I, you know, I just, that doesn't make sense to me. So the, the two that really stand out where I'm in, I've marked myself at, as ones, music and dance, I don't dance or play an instrument very often. I, I don't know how to categorize that. I don't, I don't feel like that's missing in my life, but maybe it is. Um, and then giving back. I, I've really struggled to dedicate enough time on the giving back side. We've set them as goals and life has gotten in the way and we haven't made it easy enough for ourselves or enough of a priority in our own lives to, to go achieve that. So the giving back piece now is money, which in my opinion is kind of a cop out. That's, that's not what real giving back is. So uh, we've done some of that, but even that, I, I feel like we're still, you know, missing the boat. Yeah. There's a couple of things in there. It's interesting. So the, the, some, there's philosophies around that 10. Some people say nine is the max. There's always room, right? You can't go above a nine. Other people look at it. And this is where I tend to be like, there are periods of time where there's a 10, right? Like it could be just health wise. I am in the best shape I could ever be 10 this quarter. Not that it's sustained quarter after quarter after quarter, but you can hit a 10 here and there and then it might drop down. Uh, so a couple thoughts there. And then on the, on the other part, you mentioned music and dance and I, I subscribe to this. If it's not something that you have any priority around, then it's a 10 it's perfect where it is right now or a nine or whatever, right? It's exactly where you want it to be in your life. So maybe you're not clinically depressed. You might be just undervaluing or overvaluing some of these specific areas, but I love Pat's directness in that. Like <laughs> if it's under a seven, it means in so facto, you are clinically depressed, done. He's diagnosed it. That's fantastic. So that's interesting. Uh, on the contribution side, the only other uh, soapbox item I'll get on just from talking to a lot of guys on this podcast and just generally you know, I think we always think of it, and I do often, as time devoted to charity or less fortunate or money devoted to charity or less fortunate. I went to shelter A or soup kitchen B. But some people, you know, fund college uh, uh, for college uh, 529 plans for their nieces and nephews. Some people do things more within the family that are contributory that they don't really give themselves credit for in that regard. So, I mean, I'll leave you with that, I guess, on that. Is it is it just simply charitable donation that you're thinking is lacking or is it that you don't give anywhere in your life because you might not be giving yourself enough credit for contribution if it doesn't relate to a you know a nonprofit that you're that you're dealing with so just a thought yeah it, it's a fair point Jamie. and, and I, I would say generally we are givers right uh, to families especially but you know the, the thing that it, it's not as much of a priority as businesses in my life right so that's the piece where i measure it against it's like well am i really trying and the answer is no um, one thing we are working on in our next fund vehicle for Reliant, we're going to build a philanthropic arm into it, and then it makes it easy for us here to contribute. And 
will have significant scale to help and make an impact where we can bring charities in to say, hey, guys, you know, we got a hundred grand that we got to deploy this quarter. What what can we do with you? Um, and in that case, I think, you know, us building a board that will make us have it as part of our business day to day. And so inherently there will be a focus on it. So we'll do that before the end of the year. It's definitely a business goal for, for 2021. Um, and that will, I need it to be convenient for me, Jamie, to, to, to really commit. And sure. that's how I'm going to do it. Got it. How about your GoPod? How often are you meeting and what's the discussion right now? Yeah, we, we try to do every Friday morning, uh, Friday mornings at eight. Uh, there's, there's a group, uh, there's four of us. Everybody's kind of spread out, one in Maine, one in New Jersey. Um, I'm here in Atlanta and then uh, two in New Jersey. Uh, or no, one's in Manhattan now. So Maine, two, one Manhattan, one Jersey and one in Atlanta. It's a good group. Uh, everybody's kind of got a, a little bit different um, tilt. They're, uh, two of the guys are younger than me. One guy's my age. Um, and, you know, we, we have not met in person just because not everybody's been able to go to the first Go Abundance event I went to was in Tahoe. And so one of the guys having a baby, another guy just had a baby. He's moving, so he's not going to Steamboat. But one of the guys, my age guy in Jersey, he's coming out, uh, Steve Zhao. He's coming out to Steamboat. So that'll be the first time I see him, meet him in person. But it's a good group just to, to float ideas. We, we all have different skill sets. And I think it, it's a great opportunity to, to float uh, you know, ideas and some thought processes back and forth. Makes sense. How about upcoming adventures? You mentioned Steamboat. Is there anything else on the horizon for you, the family, anything like that? Yeah, this is my sweet spot, Jamie. Like it, I'm, I put nine on my life happiness, but like hobbies and adventure, that's, that's nine for me. Nice, I, as the upside to your kids being old is that now I get to do all kinds of fun things. So my wife and I just got scuba certified, which is, that was fun. We haven't done that before. Um, so I love all things outdoors and fast. That's kind of the, the, the category. So, you know, bike, hike, ski, uh, not hike as much, but Jen really likes hiking. We have a wake surf boat. Love. That's my latest obsession. Um, but love to ski, love to be outside. I have a dirt bike. We, you know, I'll, I'll ride as much as people will let me. We just got back from Key Largo where we did a, a scuba and fish trip. That was really fun. Have you ever tarpon fished? Never. Ooh, highly recommend Jamie. There's not too many other fishing adventures. If you fish with live mullet and tarpon, it looks like refrigerators are falling out of the sky when the tarpon hit the fish. It's, it's very exciting. See, I don't even know the species of fish. What I just heard was a hairdo and uh, a live mullet, whatever that was, and something that goes on my driveway, tarpon. I don't even know what that is. So that's basically amazing. Yeah, that's basically it. Um, we have a, we have a pretty cool uh, Costa Rica trip coming up in um, November. That'll be a surf surf scuba, um, and and the boys are both into it. And then my buddy just listen to this story just real quick on an adventure. And I know we're coming up on time, so okay. the college roommate Jackson Hole lives in Jackson Hole. Grew up there. Um, was a developer. You know, built a number of um, single family duplexes, quads. And that's how he supported himself, right? He built all these passive income. He did a great job. Jackson Hole, if you're not aware of real estate markets, just take a look at the historicals there for the last two years. It's unbelievable. Like people are saying Austin's bad, buy a house in Jackson. So Sean, who's my college roommate, is renting his house right now for like, I, I, I probably, I think it's 20 grand a month. And he is, right now he's in a camper 
just in just south of Newport. And then he just his kids are going to school in Hawaii next year. So he just rented a place in Kauai from August to May. So I'm trying to book a December trip out there um, to Kauai to stay with him. And um, that that will be that will be all time. Uh, Sean is my ski wife. That's what we joke. So like when I fly out, Sean meets me somewhere and I said, do we have to get a divorce? Like you're going to live in Hawaii for the winter. Yeah. Like, does that mean we don't get to go skiing? Do I have to cheat on you? And uh, he said, I don't care. He's like, I'm just going to be in Hawaii. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> living his life, living his life. I love it. Let's wrap it up with a quick question from the GoBundance card game. This is the seven of hearts. And the question, what's something you don't give yourself enough credit for? Hmm. Besides dance. <laughs> I'm a pretty good dancer. If I, I'm probably like a six on the dance scale, you know what I mean? Right. For a white guy move, yeah. grew up in suburbia, you know, right, right, I'm right, pretty yeah. well. Do the hammer. I think that's our generation. I, I think just, just, and this is probably inherent of, of most of us. I probably don't give myself enough credit for what I have accomplished. You know, I, that's, that level of accountability um, that you kind of have internally. And most guys who are probably listening to this podcast have internally, it's, it's just expected. So when you do things, it's just, yep. You know um, I've been very fortunate, Jamie, to win a lot, you know, like athletically, we won a lot work. We won a lot family. I've won a, like, I haven't, I've been very fortunate and blessed that we haven't had a lot of losses, you know, and um, part of that is just how Jen and I, and I, I've been supported with the, the people around me have built our lives. And we probably don't give ourselves enough credit for that. It's easy to, you know, we, we heard something in Tahoe that really stuck with me. Um, Chris Ryan was playing clips of YouTube videos, you know, like those motivational clips that he plays. And there was one of Robert Downey Jr. And he talks about being a fan of your own life. And that was one that stuck with me where it was like, if I was looking at me, and what we do every day, right? Work, play. I would be like, that's awesome. Like you are having a great time. And it's, it's hard to step back and see that and say, look what you've built, right? That it's not easy, right? And I'm not saying it was all me, right? I'm standing on the shoulders of lots of people. But that's, that's a thing that is, it's hard to do, but, but is a moment once in a while, right? Where when someone asks you that question, you can look back and say, that's pretty cool. Like what I've done and what we do every day is that's, it's pretty awesome. You know, I, I think I heard that in this podcast, when we talked about the relationship with your wife, you, you, you uh, credited it to luck. So to your point, I'm sure there's some, don't get me wrong. I'm not discounting your, your perspective on that, but uh, to your point about not giving yourself enough credit for the success that you've had in life, I'm sure there's more there than you give yourself credit for and why your relationship has been so successful. So Great way to wrap it up, man. How about this? I'm going to tell my wife that, Jamie. Yes. I'm going to yeah. be like, hey, by the way, Jamie told me today that basically our relationship is great because of me. Just FYI, just wanted to let you know. Yep, yep. She'll, she'll take kindly to that, I'm sure. She'll love it. What's the best way for people to learn more about you, Reliant, reach out to you, whatever you want to share? Yeah. Um, I mean, you can certainly, from a Reliant perspective, go to the website, reliant-mgmt.com. Um, we, we're fairly active on LinkedIn. If you search my name, Chris Benson, it's with a K, K-R-I-S you know, and Google that and Reliant, you'll find a lot of stuff in regards to us and self-storage. And then obviously the GoBro Connect, Jamie, um, through the website, I try to reach out to a new GoBro or GoBundance member every week. It's one of my goals pretty much every quarter. It's amazing the stories you hear when you just call and say, hey, I'm part of it. You're part of it. Give me a little bit. What, what do you do? 
And um, that, that's been really impactful for me. Um, so people can certainly look me up uh, there and happy to take that phone call. Love it. Love it, man. No, I appreciate getting to know you a little bit more over the last week or so. We've chatted a bit and uh, had a lot of connection we talked about with Upstate New York and the sneaker thing and some other stories that we chatted through. So great having you on and, uh, and appreciate you pouring into this today. Yeah, my pleasure. Appreciate you having me. Thanks, Jamie. The Wrong Tribe Confounds. The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.